What is up guys and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason. And I'm James. How are you doing this week, James? Yeah, not too bad. We're not back again. Bad. Back again. It's Game Highlight episode this week, James. Yeah. So we've been playing this game a fair bit recently, actually, haven't we? We have. Yeah, so it's almost as if we had a reason for it. I don't know. Maybe doing a game highlight episode for example i don't, I don't know yeah, maybe well, that's what it is featuring on another podcast where this is inevitably going to come up yeah, more than likely <laughs> well, that that this will be out well before that podcast but yeah we'll uh we will undoubtedly be talking about it on there but uh, yes for those of you that haven't read the title of this podcast we are talking about core request now this is not our usual mo of game is it james no no, it's a bit more of a family game, uh, which is actually why we've been playing it a lot recently, because I had my son for the half-term uh, break, or end-of-term break, whatever it is at the moment, and he loves this game. So, yeah, I've been playing it a fair bit, I've done a fair few of the scenarios in the game, uh, but this was your second time of playing the game? Yeah, second playthrough. Second playthrough, and it's a sort of an entry into the dungeon crawler style game, isn't it, really? So, yeah. It's an interesting one. It's not something we hit a lot of because it's kind of a bit of role play I guess. But it's pretty new to us. Pretty new. It's a pretty new game. It's out this year, so it's a 2022 game. And I'm looking forward to talking about it. But uh, short of that, James, shall we just dive in and talk about Core Quest? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so Core Quest. What is Core Quest? Well, it is an accessible cooperative introduction into the world of dungeon crawling, which was released by a father and a daughter team, which was Dan and Cora Hughes in 2022. I think the original Kickstarter campaign was 2021, if I remember correctly. Uh, but the game is now published by Bright Eye Games. It is for one to four players, age just six and up with a playtime of 45 minutes. In Core Quest, players work together to guide four adventurers exploring a dungeon, avoiding traps, finding treasure, fighting monsters, and sometimes rescuing a gnome called Kevin. Core Quest is a game that kids and grown ups can play together as they work through the various scenarios and stories. That's a rough idea of what the game really entails for Core Quest, but James, what comes in the box if people were to buy? Quest. So, contained within the box are 29 standees and their bases, one explorer marker, one threat token, one quest book and customization guide, two countdown trackers, eight hero countdown tokens, one rule book uh, and four rule summary cards, 17 dungeon cards numbered 1 to 17, 18 story dungeon cards A to R, 33 treasure cards, 12 treasure chest tokens, eight hero cards, four hero health dials, 12 starting equipment cards, 18 special item cards, four red dice, seven white dice, eight spider tokens, four poison slash quest tokens, one big boss health dial, 12 damage tokens, and one second wind token. Nice, nice. That sounds like a hell of a lot, James. There's quite a bit in this box. There is. And it's not a particularly large box. It's not. It's quite a small box. It's not your standard 30 centimetre by 30 centimetre box. I think it's probably 20, 20 by 20 maybe. Something mm. like that. I haven't got a tape measure to hand. But uh, yeah, it's quite a small box, but there is a lot crammed in this box so let's 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 talk about components james because there's a lot in there and i think there's a fair bit that we can probably talk about it yeah how would you say the the component quality is for you in in this game 
yeah, the component quality is fine to me. Um, the the dungeon tiles and all the card stuff is standard card stock, um, quite good quality. I love the artwork in this. Mm, I'm going to yeah. say that. Yeah, the art the artwork uh, for those for those people that don't know. When, when I was talking in the intro there about this being designed by a father and daughter team, that's one of the key things to remember with this game is all of the artwork in this is actually done by children from around the world who have submitted their artwork for the game, including the dungeon tiles themselves, and then it's been given to a graphic designer to digitize those hand-drawn uh, pictures so of course this is all done by kids and i absolutely love it yeah i love that it just adds something really special to this game um but yeah the, the card stock is it's pretty standard i guess it, it seems fairly durable i would say probably the the dungeon tiles themselves i would maybe have liked punch board as opposed to the 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 card but at the same time i'm gonna say at this point this game's rrp is 30 pounds 30 pounds for this game and you get all that stuff and this is a true family game so i'm not going to quibble or mark them down on points over the fact that they haven't given me punchboard dungeon tiles because mm. there's a fair few of them in this game but you know 30 quid and you can pick this up from retailers for as little as 23 it's a bargain really for for that price and there's nothing i can really quibble about on component quality but i think my one little niggle and it, it is a, probably a bit more than a niggle for me on this one is that this game came with no box insert whatsoever it was all just baggies yeah and all loose in the box and as we've said the box isn't big but when everything's in baggies that's a lot of room to move around in and when you're talking about things like standees as opposed to miniatures they're going to start getting dinged they're going to start peeling and, and stuff like that this is why i've actually had to go out and, and 3d print myself an insert yeah that that to me is not excusable in any game Mm. No, there's no reason not to have at least a very basic box insert you know it doesn't cost that much to, to make that kind of stuff so for me that's a that is a little bit more than a niggle but yeah other than that component quality nothing i can say about it yeah should we move on to gameplay let's move on to gameplay. let's move on to the gameplay right now this one as we've said is designed for players six and up now i'm gonna say at this point i reckon you could go lower what about what, what, what do you think i wouldn't say you could go much lower than six unless an adult is literally playing the game for them because there's still concepts you need to be able to wrap your head around. I would say you might be able to drop it to maybe five or mm. a push four. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I think if you went down to four, the adult would be essentially playing the game for the child. Yeah, I wouldn't say you could drop it severely. I, I, I was thinking yeah. five would probably yeah, be... Yeah, five, five, five plus. I reckon a five-year-old could... Yeah, but six is, is a pretty good... I mean, that's a, a really good number for a board game anyway. So, mm. You know, six. Which tells you really that the simplicity of the mechanics in this game, there is there is dice rolling for damage when you're fighting monsters. Yeah. And when we say monsters, we're not talking big scary monsters, are we, James? It's it's pretty, I, I suppose, not scary monsters, shall we say? Like well, the they, they are your, they're your traditional dungeon crawler adversaries. So you've got orcs you've got goblins you've got rat people but they are like going back to that artwork they're very cartoony because mm. you know, all the artwork as we've said was done by children it's they're very cartoony versions of these traditional dungeon crawler enemies yeah i like sort of how you've got like the big bosses as well which is things like a snake or, or yeah. a, a, an evil hedgehog and you know spiders are a thing 
yeah you know that you've really got to watch out for in the game and stuff like that so it's, it's really kind of cool like it's those things that if you put yourself back in the mind of a child the things that you used to be scared of as mm. a child like you know when a spider would come running out from under the sofa yeah kids would go absolutely mental. i mean hell i go mental now i can't stand spiders <laughs> but still kids would go mental if they saw a spider yeah you know but again i like the fact that the artwork clearly depicts it as a purple kind of like caricature of a spider mm. it's not actually intimidating or scary in any way it looks like a little purple fuzzball that's probably the best way to describe it yeah. actually james yeah i'll give you that well done <laughs> so let, let's talk about the gameplay the gameplay in this is is pretty simple i would say like everyone gets their own character card which has a nice breakdown on those character cards as about what you can and can't do yep so it's usually i think it's one of five actions and you you can get you can do two actions, which is move, attack, search, yep. uh, revive, and swap. And that's obviously referring to items that y- you would have found through doing your searches and, and stuff like that. And of course, exploring the dungeon, that's going to be... That's actually classed as a free action. You, If you're stood at the end of a tile, you can use a free action to explore, which reveals the next dungeon tile along. Obviously, that's not always the best thing to do. Mm. especially if you're low on health because obviously when you reveal those dungeon tiles those dungeon tiles will tell you what enemies appear i mean you say it's not the best thing to do you actually have to do it once you per do. once per round you do and i'm, I'm gonna actually I'd, I'd actually quite like to talk about that particular game mechanic because i find that as a really good thing now the game doesn't pressure you into doing too much other than that one mechanic which is you must reveal a new tile once per turn or face the consequence that eventually some some more baddies are going to turn up. I think that's how the spiders come into the game. And that's caused by not searching. So it's not like it's the end of the world if it does happen. But it's a really good, friendly mechanic to keep the game moving. Yeah. Before revealing new tiles, you kind of want to deal with the enemies that you've already got rather than revealing a new tile and risk adding more. Because while the enemies aren't particularly difficult to deal with in the game... If they mob you, they are. If they, yeah, if you if you start leaving them or they survive the turn and you've then revealed another tile, which means there's yet more there, you're going to start becoming overwhelmed in this game pretty quickly. Would you say that's a, a fair assumption? That is a fair assumption, yes. Yeah. And how, how would you say it works on the combat side of things? You know, is this easy enough for kids to really understand how, how it's working? Uh, yeah, it's simple dice rolling and... Um, you assign a number of hits, you, you have a health dial, um, your enemies have a certain amount of hit points and you just have to knock them down. It's a very simple hit-based... Yeah. So everyone starts the game with a weapon of, yeah. of some sort, depending on which character you have chosen. And that obviously gives you your dice for, for what you're rolling. There's two different types of dice in the game. There's a white and a red yep. dice. The red dice are far better at hitting with a better possibility. The white's not so much. Again, like I said, the enemies aren't particularly difficult, are they? There's some that they've got one hit point, some that are two, some are three. I think there's some in the game that have got four. And then you've got the big baddies after that, which have, you know, far above that. Yeah. But let's be honest, by the time the big bads come out, it's usually the end of the game. You've just revealed the last story tile. Yep. And then they turn up, at which point everyone's like, right, we just need to go after this thing. I mean, the story tiles themselves, how, how do you like those? I do. I like those. I like the whole, you're playing a scenario and you've got effectively a book. And every time you reveal a story tile, it tells you to read from that section yeah. to progress the story. Mm. So I like the fact that it's got a pre-scripted story that you're just playing through depending on the scenario. Yeah. 
And the stories themselves are so fun. Yes. Like, it's, it's one of the things, like, this just goes back to that design aspect of, of, of Cora, that you can just see these stories are coming from Cora's really great imagination that yeah. she's come up with all these things. And even the names, like, I, I alluded to the one er- earlier, you know, Kevin the Gnome. Yeah. That, that's a pretty standard name. I'm not going to give any others away because they're all story integral. Yeah. And, you well, know. Well, what was the scenario we played with your son the other day? We were we were venturing into a dungeon to rescue a cheesecake. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that had been they, stolen. Yes. They'd stolen the cheesecake uh, and it was your job to, to go and get them back. And it's just fun like that. You know, th- this is mm. not a serious dungeon crawler. You know, Dungeons and Dragons players, this probably isn't really for you. No. But- <laughs> But it is, and this is why, alluding to that other episode that we are going on later of why it's in my list, it is a great introduction to that type of game and that style of gameplay for young children. Mm. Because it even sets it out so that if you you have young kids, they can play it together. The adult can effectively act as the dungeon master, reading the book and controlling the various villains that come yeah, up yeah it is a it's a does that really well it's not integral you don't have to have a dm in this game no which is another thing i really like because not a, you know a lot of these games they are entirely dependent on someone how you know sacrificing their gameplay to be the dungeon master this game doesn't require that mm. so a family of four uh, because it is a maximum of four players a family of four can sit down and play this game as a team to go against the game and it's just it's so worth it yeah it really is i I can't say enough good things about this game if i'm completely honest like the gameplay is really good it's simple it's really easy to learn yeah everything you need to know is on your character card you know one of the the key things i really like in this and it's quite unique actually is if you don't hit when you're attacking you become determined which basically means you flip your character card over and you get stronger and you get stronger for your next attack. But as soon as you've hit, you then flip back to your non-determined side. Yeah. And that happens un- uncounted amounts of times. Every time you miss, if you're not already determined, you then become determined, which gives you an extra dice. That's pretty cool. I really like that. Very, very good mechanic there. Uh, anything about the gameplay that sticks out to you? I said it before, but it's story-driven scenarios that it presents to you. They're, they're, like you said, they're fun. They're lighthearted. I, I really like that aspect of it. Yeah, and like I said, the, the story is, is there and it's there to engage the players, you mm. know, especially if you are playing with this with the young ones. They're going to be far more engaged in the game because there is a story going on. And, you know, using those really funky little names mm. as well, that's enough. That's a good hook. That's a great hook for the kids. So the story is, is fantastic. Well, I mean, I've played probably four or five games of this now and every single time it puts a smile on my face listening to the stories or even reading the stories myself because i'm not a role player in any way but i do find myself wanting to do a few little voices here and there yep in this you, game. you can't not you know it's that it's that wonderful thing of like being being a child again where you can do the silly voices for the yeah for the characters and like i said the game for me is is nice and simple it doesn't at any point make anyone suffer from an analysis paralysis so the game just keeps moving yep. it's nice and quick you're only doing two actions is bang bang next person bang bang next person everyone gets one one turn or you know one go before the the enemies then get their chance to move and attack and again they're not when we're saying they're attacking you yeah they're going to do damage hmm. but i think the worst i've seen is two two or three damage yeah 
and most people have got good health and obviously there's plenty of treasure chests throughout the game where yeah. you can find revive tokens or healing tokens and stuff like that yeah so yeah i mean that that's probably the the, the key things that have stood out to us on the gameplay yeah as i've said this is a family game it wasn't ever going to take us that long to talk about it no but I think we should move on to our final thoughts. What did you think of this game overall, James? Who would you recommend it for? And what do you think of the price of this game? Okay, so uh, my final thoughts on this game are that it's a great family. Yeah, If you've got a couple of young kids, this is a great game to break out and play with them, to get them into board gaming, to get them into role play. Like we said, it's like one of the main things I like about this, and we talk about it quite a lot, Jason, is gateway gaming. Yes. There are so many gateway games to get you into board gaming. There aren't many gateway games to get you into role play, Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons, things like that. So your first, if you put yourself in the shoes of someone who's fairly young, they think they're going to like something like uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And the first thing they're going to get hit by is that rule book with mm-hmm. all of this terminology and all of these charts and tables, it's really overwhelming. Where's the gateway into that world? Mm. The answer is it's right here. I mean, it's, it's obviously quite a childish gateway into it, but yeah. that's not necessarily a slur on the game's name. Childish doesn't mean it's bad. Mm. You know, I've really enjoyed this game, and I, it, it's not a lie when we say that the main times I've been playing this is at our adult game nights. Yeah. The adults have wanted to play this. Now, it's not something that's going to sit in my bag forever, but it comes down every time someone requests to play it. Yeah. You know, and there are some people that have just loved this game so much. You know, we're talking 30, 40, 50-year-olds that are requesting to play this game, James. Yeah. I can't quantify as to why that would be. So It's because it's... It is fun and it's lighthearted. It doesn't require, from an adult's perspective, it doesn't require a huge amount of brain power. Mm. It's just a very easygoing game. Yeah. So, I mean, that speaks volumes, I yeah. think. And I, I, the game. I do think it's well worth the £30 price tag. Yeah. Like I said, RRP on this is £30. You can pick this up from the retailers even cheaper than that. I, I think it's worth it. I definitely, definitely 100% recommend anyone with a family young family especially either maybe one of the parents is a gamer and they're looking at maybe getting the kids into gaming yeah slowly but surely 100 percent, this game needs to be in your collection if you know that you've got a child who's having friends over one evening again this is the perfect game you can run it as a dm just let the kids enjoy it you know they're not going to be too upset if they don't succeed because it's not a brutal game it's pretty easy it's not a walk in the park either is it for gamers gamers no for me the answer is no i i if, if you are really heavily into your games if you only ever play heavyweight medium games steer clear of this game it's not it's not for you mm. unless you've got that young family that again you want to play with this game isn't for you it's not the type of game that we would usually play it's not going to be something we're going to play very regularly Mm. however this is a stayer in my collection because my son loves this game and it's got really good replayability to it which is why i'm loving it so much because every time he comes over for the weekend one evening we're doing one scenario he absolutely loves it he's even requesting to play it yeah i mean it's just a uh, touch on something else it's not something that you and i have actually looked into but when i was going through that components list and it says about the customization thing implies that once you've gone through the preset 
stories that you can then create your own you can indeed and i'm, I'm kind of glad you brought it up i was going to get to it in just a second but since you brought it up i will talk about it now they're online tools where you can go on you can create your own characters you can create your own villains and you can create your own scenarios as well and as of recording last week we actually got an update to the kickstarter backers they have now started doing free scenarios as well which they are now going to be updating regularly through the website. So they're even still supporting this game with new scenarios to print off them and play with what you've already got. So fantastic support for this game. It was really good because it got a lot of media attention when it was on Kickstarter because of the whole story behind it. I really loved seeing that because it did bring some attention to our our hobby as well mm. so i think they did everything right on this one i'm really glad that it's been picked up by bright Art games as well so let's talk about our meeple rating james meeple rate i'm interested to know what you are going to give this game well interestingly jason i was going to give this game a solid eight okay i yep. was going okay. to give this game a solid eight but after what you've just said there i actually feel like i have to bump it up to a nine okay and the eight was going to come from the fact that accessibility good quality good fun solid board game the fact that it bumps up to a nine the fact that they've given you all those tools and customizations and they are still supporting it that's brilliant frankly for for a 30 pound investment yeah so yeah nine nice very very nice um so yeah taking into account everything we've talked about so far um i did obviously have my my niggle that wasn't really a niggle about the the box insert so i have had to knock it a little bit for that but it did manage to drag a little bit back through its customization and just how much joy it brings my son and my family so yep for me i will come in at this as an 8.5 out of 10 but i am stating this as clearly as i possibly can this is not a gamer's game it is a family game so don't you know when, when you when we're talking about our 8.5s and our, and our nines we're not putting this in the same bracket as things like wingspan nemesis all of the other games that we've given nine yeah you know, and, and high numbers too it's not in the same category this is a completely separate category this is a family game we will do more family games as well but we will always take that into account that that is what they are designed for so please do bear that in mind when we say our, our meeple ratings on this but james anything else you want to say about Core Quest. I think you've covered it all there, Jace. Nice, nice. Well, in that case, guys, I want to know if any of you have played Core Quest. I know a couple of our listeners do own it and have indeed played it, so I'm interested to know your opinions on it. Let us know on any of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or on our Discord server. Links to those are in the podcast description. You know what time it is now, James? It's time for the news. It's time for the news. Well, it's your fault you ate too much birthday cake, isn't it? Well, we've got to get this place tidied up a little bit before we can record this week's news. I know we usually do it on Sundays, but we had Miss Sussex Meeple's game day yesterday, so obviously we need to get it done today. Look, the script's even written. We've just got to pack some of the game's library away so we can actually move in the shed. Yeah, well, okay, well, you pack the smaller games away, and I'll get the big ones done. Oh, no, they go over there. You know perfectly well where those go. 
But keep that one out, I want to play that later. Well, that's Marvel Splendor, isn't it? You'll just have to open it up and sort the pieces out before that goes back in the shelf properly. Right, see? Done. That wasn't too difficult, was it? At least we can move now, which means it's that time. Absolutely. Yep, hit it. Gale Force 9 are back in the news this week as the studio that brought us Firefly, the game, and Firefly Adventures has announced a new board game set in the space western universe with Firefly misbehaving. Firefly the game saw a number of expansions to its open world gameplay which allowed players to freely hop around the galaxy with their own ragtag crew in search of paying jobs and contracts. Adventures meanwhile saw players team up as the crew of the Serenity including Malcolm, Zoe, Jane, Wash and the beautiful Kaylee, across a number of cooperative skirmish-based missions. This year's Firefly Misbehaving puts yet another spin on the short-lived TV series and film by focusing on the various factions of the Firefly-verse. Firefly Misbehaving is a deck-building game, pitting two to four players against one another in control of competing groups. Ranging from the Alliance to the scavenger community of Evesdown and criminal affiliates of Niska, as well as the Serenity crew themselves, looking to stake their claim on the galaxy. Each faction starts with a unique loadout of cards, as any good deck builder does, which can be added to with additional characters, items and places from the core, border and rim of the verse. The game will feature different episodes with varying objectives to pursue during each 60 minute session. Behind the gameplay of Firefly Misbehaving is designer Jack Reader, who previously worked on the recently stripped down Dune board game A Game of Conquest and Diplomacy, as well as the upcoming Arrakis Dawn of the Fremen, set in the Frank Herbert's sci-fi universe. Firefly Misbehaving will be released later in 2022, which marks the 20th anniversary of the TV series that lasted just 14 episodes but before being cancelled, as well as the film Serenity in 2005. Announced during the 2022 D&D Direct livestream, a brand new starter set for the fantasy tabletop role-playing game will be released and will reportedly be different from the original D&D 5th edition starter set, offering players a more streamlined and easier to understand experience. The fresh starter set will contain everything players and dungeon masters need to begin their journey through the world of D&D 5e, including a 32 page book containing basic rules that will take players from first level to third, five pre-generated character sheets and a set of polyhedral dice. During the D&D Direct livestream, it was mentioned that the new starter set would also feature digital aspects, although it's yet to be confirmed exactly what these will be. Alongside the rules, character sheets and dice featured in the upcoming RPG starter set, a new adventure called Dragons of Stormwreck Isle will be included as well. The adventure will see first-level player characters getting wrapped up in a war between rival dragons as they discover the secrets of a mysterious island. The new starter set for D&D 5e will be released as a Target exclusive first on August 1st, 
before receiving a wider release to everyone else on October the 4th. Besides the new starter set for the tabletop role-playing game, the return of the Spelljammer setting, originally released for D&D 2nd Edition, was also announced. Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition players and DMs will be introduced to the sci-fi fantasy world of Spacejammer through a new collection called Adventures in Space, which will contain three separate books. The Astral Adventurer's Guide will feature everything needed to both run and play sessions within the setting, including a selection of playable character species such as humanoid insects and hippo-headed beings. Boo's Astral Menagerie contains a bestiary of all the creatures and characters that call the Astral Ocean their home. The third book is an adventure called Light of Zaraxis, which is designed for 5th level characters and will take place over 12 episodes. Lastly, from the D&D livestream was the announcement of a new campaign book based on the beloved Dragonlance series of D&D novels. Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen will provide DMs and players with an original story set during the world of the Lance, which is the main focus of the Dragonlance Chronicles trilogy. A miniatures war game also based on the book series called Dragonlance Warriors of Kryn was revealed alongside Shadow of the Dragon Queen. A dream many Magic Arena players thought lost has finally come true. The online platform for Magic the Gathering will now support the Pioneer format. Well, sort of. Wizards of the Coast announced a plan to eventually create a true-to-tabletop format, beginning with the introduction of a game mode the company has dubbed Explorer. Part of a spree of news regarding Magic Arena and the newly revamped Pro Tour competitive scene, Explorer will be a non-rotating format that all standard sets will eventually rotate into. Wizards of the Coast said it will spend the next several years gradually adding cards from other sets into the Explorer pool, until they feel confident changing the name over to Pioneer. The paper format accepts all cards from the 2012 Return to Ravnica block forward to the present, minus some select bands. Our goal is all the Pioneer cards that matter, so when we eventually embrace the Pioneer name on Magic the Gathering Arena, you should expect us to be at a point where the decks you want to play with will be available a post on their website read. That means we'll be working toward all the cards that are regularly played in Pioneer decks, much the same way the vintage on Magic Online doesn't contain every 2-2 for 2 ever printed, but it does contain all the cards needed to mimic the paper vintage format. Their path to mimicking the tabletop version of Pioneer will reportedly begin later this summer, when Magic Arena will introduce Historic Anthology 6. The long-running series that backloads cards from older sets will now support both the fledgling Explorer and Historic formats. Speaking of that, the posts seem to imply that Historic is now a digital first, set akin to Alchemy, forming a neat parallel with Pioneer and Standard, where cards can be rebalanced and digital-only mechanics can shape the environment. The post very explicitly states that Wizard of the Coast will be using the tabletop Pioneer ban list for Arena's equivalent, 
and cards in Explorer will never be rebalanced or suspended. The trading card game company might have felt compelled to not mince words on this issue given players generally negative reaction to alchemy and the swathe of cards rebalanced in its wake. Explorer was officially added to Magic Arena today and will be available as a best of one and best of three match setup in both ranked and unranked queues. That puts Explorer on equal footing with standard constructed modes and players will be able to increase their constructed rank and earn the same rewards when playing the new mode. Introducing Explorer makes good on feature that once existed on Arena's roadmap all the way back in 2019 when the format was first introduced. The COVID-19 pandemic seemed to kill any momentum for it to take off in person and many players invested their hopes in Arena picking up on the slack. Now it's even a featured format in some upcoming competitive events. Fans may not be able to joke about Wizards' inability to say the word pioneer, but they're too busy queuing up to care. And we're heading on over to crowdfunding, and all three of these this week are available on Kickstarter. And first up is Explorers of the Woodlands by From the Woods Studios. It's for one to four players. It's going to take you 30 to 45 minutes to complete. It's for ages 10 years and over, and ends on Tuesday, May the 10th. Explorers of the Woodlands is a forest-themed cooperative dice game slash dungeon crawler for one to four players. It combines all the best of tile placement, exploration, rolling dice and bashing monsters in a gorgeous setting and comes with a fast-paced classic game mode and a campaign mode. In classic game mode, players will explore a forest of over 20 tiles. At the end of each forest, a boss will spawn and the players will have to defeat it to win the game. During the exploration phase, each player adds one tile to the forest, making it bigger and bigger. Then during the adventure phase, each player will play their character in turn order. The active player rolls four hero dice and places them on their hero board to select and know what actions can be performed that turn. And depending on the dice results, players get to move, use their special actions or unique abilities. Loot cards acquired while killing monsters are found in the forest and during events will also help the heroes reach their goal. In addition to the classic game mode, a 5-6 to six mission campaign will be added to the game for even greater replay value. And with just one pledge level, at £25 or €29, Euros, this will get you the game including any stretch goals they open. Simples. Next up is Autobahn by Alley Cat Games. This for 1-4 to four players, takes 90-120 to 120 minutes to play. It's for ages 14 years and over, and the project ends on Wednesday, May the 11th. Autobahn is an economic strategy game about the building of the German motorway system over three periods of time spanning from the end of World War II to the present day. At the end of the second period in 1990, the unification opens up on opportunities to further extend the network into the eastern part of the country. As a director within the Bundesautobahn organization, you are responsible for managing and developing the German federal highway system. 
Aside from building roads, you'll also be responsible for facilitating the transport of goods to neighbouring countries and constructing petrol stations to benefit from this new traffic. As you contribute to the development of the network, you gain seats at the administration boards of each highway, and they will increase your budget at the start of each period. Over the course of the game, your board members will eventually advance to more prestigious seats within the Bundus Autobahn building, which instead will provide victory points at the end of the game. So plan ahead to optimize your efficiency. Each contribution you make builds your reputation and gains you access to new departments and scoring opportunities that better align with your chosen path to victory. The cards in your hand allow you to take actions on one of the seven main autobahns. You'll need to plan carefully and time your actions perfectly if you want to make the most of your hand before you need to collect your cards back. You can pledge at £43 or $56 for the retail copy of the game, and they're also offering free pickup at SN22 this year. You can also grab the Kickstarter Exclusive Addiction, which will get you the base game, plus three mini expansions for £49 or $63, and again, free pickup from SN22 if you're in attendance is there for you too. And lastly on crowdfunding this week is Broken and Beautiful, a game about Kitsugi by Jeff Tidball. It's for 2-4 players, takes 15 minutes, it's 12 years and older, and ends on Saturday, May the 11th. So, what's Kitsugi? Kitsugi is the Japanese art of using gold and lacquer to repair broken pottery. So in Broken and Beautiful, players draft cards representing pottery like bowls, cups, tea jars to create high-scoring sets. But pottery has an immediate value when acquired. When broken, it loses its worth, but if repaired, however, it is worth even more than when it did when it was brand new. So by managing your breakages and repairing them judiciously, you'll increase their value and ultimately gain maximum points. The player with the most points at the end of the game is the winner. To win though, you must draft cleverly. Each type of pottery scores differently, so choose pottery that works well together, while denying high scoring sets to the others. You must also manage, as best you can, the breakage of different pottery types to create advantage for yourself and disaster for your opponents. Finally, you must choose when to give up new cards to accumulate gold ingots instead, so you can repair your broken treasures. Pledge just £13 or $16 for the standard edition of the game with any unlocked stretch goals, or grab the deluxe edition with refined components and any unlocked stretch goals for £24 or $30. And we're heading on over to events now. Tuesdays is Worthing Ball Gamers' first night of the week down at the new Dice Worthing store from 7pm until 10pm. Just £3 cover charge with what I hear is a fantastic menu. Location of the store is 24 to 26 Portland Road, Worthing, BN111QN. Wednesdays has Crawley Gaming Community over at the comic shop, 42 High Street, Crawley, RH10 1BW. Tending to gather from 6ish, £3 per evening with plenty of snacks, drinks, milkshakes, sweets and pizza. Thursday sees three groups running in the form of Worthing Board Gamers, second night of the week, down at the Ardington Hotel, Steam Gardens, Worthing, BN11, 3DZ, 
from 7pm. Dave is hosting Lewis Board Game Club at the Trinity Gaming Cafe, Arbinger Place, Lewis, BN72QA, from 7pm through to 11 and Jake and Chris would like to welcome you to Dyson Drinks, 79-81 Church Walk, Burgess Hill, RH15, 9BQ for their Thursday evening socials for just £5 per head. And Crawley Gaming Club are always here for you on Mondays. They'll be up and running from over at the Tilgate Community Centre, Shackleton Road, Crawley, RH10, 5DF and just £3 per head over there. Have you still not sorted out Marvel Spender yet? Yeah, I know, those chips do go bloody everywhere, don't they? Yeah, I'm going to have to sort something out less temperamental. Oh well, it's that time again, so say goodbye to everyone. And it's a goodbye from me. So keep safe, meeples. Keep those dice rolling, the cards shuffling, and we'll be right here for you next week. Thank you very much that, Paul, and thank you guys for joining us once again for another game highlight episode. This time we were talking about the family dungeon crawling awesomeness that was Cora Quest. James, how did this one go? Oh, I think that one went very well, Jason. Yeah, yeah, I felt like a child talking about that. I loved it. I'm not going to lie, the temptation to set a game up and, and just play the two of us, it's quite bad. Yeah. It's it's quite bad. I really do want to do that. To be fair, though, I get that every time we do a game highlight because I have to read the components list, which means the box is open on the table <laughs> while I'm doing it. And I was just like, well, I could just sort of... We could just set, the, set this up. Yeah. yeah, We could be doing it while we're talking. Who never knows? But yeah, it, it is a really good little game. Like I said, it, it, it isn't for the hardcore gamers out there. It is for the families. And, and mm. that's where it shines as a family, family game. So yeah. Anyone who hasn't played this that has a family or even just wants a really lightweight dungeon crawling game, Coral Quest, definitely for you. Yep. Short of that, we've got to go, James, because we are recording a different podcast tonight. Aren't Indeed. We? Look yeah. at two podcasts in one night. I know. One of ours, and then we're joining our friend uh, Anthony on the MTVB podcast to actually talk about family games, ironically. Yes. <laughs> and we're going to be doing our top five on that. By the time you hear this episode, that episode will not be out. But keep an eye on the description. And uh, when it does come live, I will pop a link in there for you to go and check that out. But short of that, guys, till next week, I have been Jason. And I've been James. And you've been listening to the Meeple Minded Podcast. Join us next week for more tabletop gaming goodness. Ta-ta. Goodbye. Goodbye.